fight. Both champions are peaking and both are determined. We feel that the jab was going to be a key factor in the fight, uh, the left hand, because uh, we feel that if we can, once we can get Marvin to watch left hand jab, get his mind on the left hand, then it will be no problem with getting all the shots off. The hands is best uh, defense is his offense because that's the only way that he knows how to fight. Uh, in my way, I have to make my defense my best offense. So, uh, and though that I have both ways, because once I get him in trouble, I can change it around. Thomas don't have that ability. I'm here to show the world that I have the ability to punch and power to get in and knock out middle ways, light heavyweights, whatever, both ways all the way up to the lateral division. I have that power. I have my mind focused on one thing, and that's to destroy him. That is to knock him out. If I have the opportunity, if it's there, I'm going to take it. I think that this fight here will put me in a position for to make greatness and uh, be, put me one step closer to greatness and wishes to win the four titles. That's what I feel. War. That's what's on my mind. I don't see the fight going to a round. I've been feeding the fate, and I've been starving the doubt. So there's no doubt in my mind that I can't win this fight or that I won't knock Thomas Hearns out. podcast we are thrilled to be joined by hall of famer al bernstein the soundtrack for boxing fans since at least our lifetime so al <laughs> thanks for joining us good to be with you guys i mean we you know followed your career for so long and uh, it was interesting that you got to be the announcer for the Hagler hearns fight and what were your thoughts going into that fight you know what what were you thinking and what was the scene like? Can you just kind of explain it to us? Well, doing that, doing that, uh, the, you know, I'd been in broadcasting for about five years to that point. Uh, started in 1980 on the ESPN series. And I had done only one other major pay-per-view to that point. In 80, 1983, I got to, to announce with uh, Sal Marciano, my partner on the um, ESPN series, I got to announce um, the Duran-Hagler fight. And then in 1985, I was lucky enough to be working with Al Michaels and Kurt Gowdy. So that was quite a quite a broadcast crew uh, for the uh, Hagler Hearns fight, and it was, you know, an amazing atmosphere. Um, it, it was one of those times where now I I remember when they made their ring walk, and uh, it was just before. You know, it was before they were going to uh, go to the center of the ring before uh, to get the instructions. And I did something that I do now most of the time on almost all fights. Just, I, I, the moment was so much that I wanted to drink it in. I hit my cough button so that I wouldn't uh, affect the sound. And I took my headphones off just to hear, you know, to be part of to be more present for the moment and it was pretty extraordinary and i've actually done that now almost every fight so that i get a feel for what um what's happening around me but that atmosphere was extraordinary um you know the you could feel the electricity in the air you knew something 
of course, we couldn't have known it was going to be so dramatic, but you knew something special was going to happen. Amazing. Yeah. And did, did you know right before the bell rang, once the bell rang, like when did you have a sense for this is going to be an all-time great fight? Well, when they, you know, the first round was arguably one of the best rounds in middleweight history. And I, I think I said it uh, on the broadcast. Yeah. I even said it. Um and I wasn't the only one, certainly, but I, I actually, and I'm not given, you know, you guys have seen me broadcast a long time. I'm not given the hyperbole. I'm not the kind of person that uses those kinds of phrases very often. Uh, and I did there because it was extraordinary, you know, and you knew about, well, I mean, it started out with, with Tommy Hearns landing a monstrous right hand uh, that ultimately damaged his hand a little bit. And Marvin Hagler to this, you know, till he passed away, uh, always said that was one of the hardest punches he'd ever been hit with. Um, and uh, he knew that he had to get down to business because, uh, you know, he was in there against somebody that could could bang. Um, when you said that you took off your headset and started listening to the crowd, can you, can is there like a, the second biggest extraordinary event that you could compare it to? Yeah, you know, I, I uh, for me that was a you know I mean I, I've covered a lot of you know announced a lot of big fights and and major events. Um, that one had a very special feel to it. I mean, I could compare something to it that isn't quite on its level. But when I went over to England and did the Ricky Hatton Costa Zoo fight, that that was amazing. It was the middle of the night, man. You know, the Manchester Arena was filled with people, and they literally willed Ricky Hatton to a great performance that night. So that's another kind of similar uh, situation. And, and uh, you know, but it it was you know that was a an amazing moment, to, and and certainly one of the most uh, you know uh, electric uh, atmospheres that I've been involved in. Yeah. So is is it kind of like golf? You know, you hit one good tee shot and you're 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 kind of hooked for life, or is it like the you know kind of like the gift and the curse, right? It's like you 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 fall in love with something, and and you experience something so great. It's like you're kind of chasing that that moment again. You know, that's a good question. Uh, that's interesting. Um, no, I yeah, I didn't um, I didn't think about that, and I don't think since then. Uh, it was pretty extraordinary pretty early in my career to get to do that and experience that and be a part of that. But I, you know, my sense was that there would be more to come. <laughs> Hopefully I was hoping. Uh, and, uh, and, and there have been many great, you know, I mean, I've been around many, many great, you know, moments in, in boxing, uh, exciting fights, you know, charged atmospheres, uh, whether, sitting ringside or for the, all the years I covered the boxing for sports center. Uh, and of course now it's showtime. So I've had a lot of them, but yeah, I don't think there's, I had the sense that, Oh, how can I top this? You know, I didn't really think of that, you know, at that moment. Um, but it was pretty extraordinary. So thinking back on the lead up to this fight, I think there was a 20 city press tour in two weeks. Yeah. Like, and there's no way we could compare that to today. I mean, there was like a 10 city press tour for Mayweather De La Hoya like 15 years ago. But mm -hmm. what was the feeling like, like going up into the fight? Was it like the feeling where we had like seven years ago when Mayweather and Pacquiao fought? Or was it like, oh, this is just another good fight? 
Oh, no, no. That was, it was pretty extraordinary. Well, those fights during that period, you have to kind of transport yourself back. That in, those, in the 80s, which was, in many people's opinions, the best decade boxing has ever had, both before it or since. Um, and during that period, those fights involving the Four Kings and many other fights as well, it was an amazing era, but especially the ones involving the Four Kings, each one of them was a mega event. And you have to remember boxing was higher on the hierarchy of uh, sports at that time. It was being covered by every major news outlet. And, and it was um, so it was leading up to that fight. There was amazing anticipation and that press tour Everybody involved with it will probably tell you it was probably it was well done, but it was probably too long. And one of the offshoots of it was that they got under their skin, each other's skin so much because they were constantly being, you know, having to to deal with each other. Uh, And maybe not too long, because maybe that you know, helped contribute to the ferocity of that fight. But, um, but it was, you know, they, they did a, a tremendous job of, uh, of, you know, the shop rank and the, the, everyone involved did an amazing job of letting the world know that this was going to be a special event. And of course it was. Yeah. And and Hagler seemed to kind of get mentally checked out of those press conferences earlier than, than Hearns, it seemed like. Um yeah, maybe a little bit. He he was probably even more annoyed. <laughs> you know, Marvin Marvin's a great guy, a wonderful guy, and a charming guy. But when you put him in the boxer mode, uh, you know, especially in those kind of situations, he's uh, he he's not uh, you know he's not always uh, he doesn't always feel like part- cooperating and participating. I mean, he did cooperate. Let's cooperate, but. He's not uh, amiable. Let's put it that way. So when the lead up into the fight, the press tour, was Ray Leonard sort of like the shadow going into the event? Sort of how like Mayweather is whenever a Pacquiao fight was happening? You mean Leonard? Ray Leonard is yeah. the shadow? Well, um, uh, to some degree, but but not. The thing you have to remember is all of the four kings were on their own, a franchise. Each one was a franchise. Duran was a franchise. Leonard was a franchise. Hagler was. And Hearns was. So anytime any of them got together, it was huge. They didn't require Ray Leonard to be, uh, I guess you can argue the case that Ray Leonard transcended them. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's hard. Having lived through that time, it, it, you know, they were all franchises and they were all. So, it it everybody could look at this event as an event unto itself. It, it wasn't as if oh they're fighting for the right to fight Ray Leonard. No, that wasn't that wasn't the way anybody looked at that. Okay. And and Al, you I, I just in doing some some research and reading some articles where you you've talked about this era in the past. You said that you probably were most associated with Hagler and and kind of covering him. Um, yeah, but Burns I, kind of maybe yeah. second was that. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, Barry Tompkins and I always joke about it because Barry, uh, we 
teamed up about 1988 on the, uh, the top ranked boxing series and did eight years together. And it was wonderful. And we're friends to this close friends to this day, but and now he's a colleague at Showtime. But we used to joke that because he announced with Ray Leonard and because he did more of the Leonard fights on, on HBO. And I did a lot of Hagler fights on, on pay-per-view through top rank. Uh, that we each knew the other we he traveled in the Ray Leonard circles and I more often traveled in the Hagler circles wasn't mean we weren't part of their entourage of course or their camp but we were around them more and I did more Marvin Hagler fights so um I did a number of 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 Hagler fights during that time and uh so I kind of became in fact before the uh the the Hearns fight film was that wrote a article in which he was kind of highlighting my role in it. And he said that uh, I kind of had something in common with Hagler because at that point, uh, you know, I mean, Hagler was the, the fighter that was a blue collar kind of guy. Uh, and he kind of was seeing me that way as a broadcaster, you know, that I wasn't always looking for the most attention, but I was there to, to get the job done. But, so, but I, but I did I did uh, cover a lot of Marvin Hagler fights. What was your favorite one? Well, probably the Hearns fight, but but there was uh, I was the Hagler Mugabe fight, which I didn't announce the fight, but I was on the I did I was on the broadcast and I did undercard fights and things, uh, and I was. Uh, involved in uh, uh, I inter- did the interviews after uh, the Mugabe fight was astonishing it's an underrated event in boxing it was a staggering fight um, the uh, uh, Mugabe Mugabe was the uh, was the uh, fought the fight of his life that night mm-hmm. and uh, uh, f- probably the best fight he has ever fought in his life. And of course, it wasn't quite enough to get the job done against Marvin Hagler, but it was an amazing evening. Al, do you, do you feel like, um, Hagler kind of got a, maybe not a bad rap, but just not as much of a fair shake as some of the other four Kings? Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, I don't know. Let's put it this way in whether it was compared to the other, I don't know, but in, in general, yes, judges, uh, didn't, um, uh, Ju- the judging of his fights often, I mean, he was, you know, uh, I mean, the Mugabe fight, I think if I remember correctly, it was like, a, you know, <laughs> he almost needed a knockout to win it, which was ridiculous. And same is true with the, the Duran fight. I think they under, and of course, against Vito Antifermo, when he got the draw on his first chance at it. Well, I don't know why. And of course, needless to say, the Leonard fight, where many people, including me, thought that the, you know, he won the fight. It was very close, but Jojo Guerra, his infamous scorecard, what one seventeen, one eleven for for Leonard. But uh, I don't know why that was the case, uh, but for some reason, when it came to judges and when it came to other, sometimes uh, other. Uh, whether even sometimes covers in media, some somehow Marvin Hagler was was undervalued, 
And I don't know why that was, because he was extraordinary. But the judging especially was a mystery to me, because why would you, you know, why constantly did he get undervalued by these judges? I don't know. Yeah, that, that Leonard fight um, seemed to kind of prove that out as well. Yeah, look, I, I it's a close, it was a close fight, but... Uh, what stained it was the Jojo Garrett card, which was outrageous for Leonard. And my thinking is that, you know, if you look back, even at the, the punch numbers from CompuBox, which are not, you know, they're not cast in stone, but like Hart Hagler won the battle of the jabs. Well, if you're facing the boxer and you win the battle of the jabs, how do you not win a decision? Not very close fight. And so it wasn't, it wouldn't be a robbery that Ray Leonard would win the fight. But I guess, but it was certainly the one scorecard was ridiculous. And, and, you know, I, I think, and Marvin didn't help himself by fighting the first three rounds right-handed. He, he yeah. essentially gave those, some of those rounds away I, to this day. I don't know why he did that. Um, but, um, but it would, you know, but in general, he, he struggled with getting the, uh, the true, uh, you know, the judges to give him his due. So going back to that era, 85, 86, 87, all those great fights, even 83, like you said, Duran, was there a feeling that these guys were too young to quit? Or or was it like, oh, this is it, like, you know, this is their prime and one and done? Well, they had a, a good run, you know. they I mean, they started, they all started in the late 70s. So they had a nice, you know, they're, and of course, some they didn't, other the only person that retired exactly on time was Marvin Hagler. Right. Uh and he was older than his he was listed at a certain age, but he was really old, probably older than he was. Yeah, I, I think everybody thinks that the, the age that was listed for him was probably a little generous. But he retired right at the time, you know, the Leonard fight was done. He, he he felt he got disrespected. He knew that at that point he wasn't quite the fighter he had been, still exceptional. And he retired and never fought again. The same cannot be said of Tommy Hearns, Ray Leonard, or Roberto Duran. Uh, all of them, it is fascinating when you think all three of them could not resist the lure to keep coming back. Uh, Hagler... And, and if you'd asked me, if you'd put that question to me at the time, and I had a long time to think about it, I probably would have said that's the way I expected it to happen. Marvin Hagler was the most strong-minded and, and, and centered individual maybe I've ever met. Uh, and his discipline was unparalleled. So I could see him being the one that would say, okay, you know, I'm done with this. I'm not going to be lured back. And Ray Leonard tried to lure him back. Uh, they desperately tried to get him to do a rematch because there was tons of money in it, right? Hagler wasn't, wasn't going to do it. When, when was that? When did he try to do the rematch? Oh, after, you know, uh, for at least a couple years after that, there were repeated efforts. Uh, to try and get him to come back and fight Leonard, and he just didn't. He went. He went off to Europe, uh, made some action movies, <laughs> and, uh, loved Italy, and he was a happy guy. Amazing. 
So looking looking back on the the fight itself, do you do you feel like this fight elevated either Hagler or Hearn's career more than the other, or you think they just kind of put them both on the same the same footing? I think it was a moment. Look, they both had other great vic, um, moments. You know, Hagler had other great victories. Tommy Hearns had other great had many victories. That was, of course, a defeat for him. But and 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 Tommy Hearns would still have great successes after that, um, winning the you know light heavyweight championship against Virgil Hill, another fight I was involved in, but. Um, and winning, I think, the 154-pound title after that. He had lots of success. So um, but so I think for both of them, it was a it was a tremendous um moment in time that stamps them in boxing history, you know. Um and um toward that end it was great. So, you know, Hagler was toward the end of his career at that point, or was heading toward the end of it. He would have the Mugabe fight after that. And then the Leonard. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think those were only two fights he had. Maybe there's one other, there might've been one other fight or two other fights after, but was headed toward the, what was the, not the end, but the, the, the last third of his career. And, um, it, but that fight did help him a lot because, he was he had had trouble landing big 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 fights. He was defending in the middleweight division against all comers. The middleweight division had a lot of good fighters in it, but not major fights for him. You know, and most of those other guys, like the other four kings, were really a little below him. The Duran fight, of course, was a big fight for him, but um, so the Hearns fight did had, did play a big role in in not only his career at the time, but also his status. Good. So uh, right after the fight, the energy in the arena, did it feel like you would be talking about this 40 years later? Oh, 100%. Yeah. You, you felt it was uh, uh, you felt it was a special moment uh, because, uh, you know, it had everything about it. It was a major fight. Uh, the action had been ferocious. And even though, I mean, let's face it, it was a short fight, you know, it didn't go long. Yep. Uh, so that's why it's even more remarkable that, you know, that it was, uh, that it's still being talked about. And and you felt that it was a classic moment. There's no qu- no question about that. Um, last question for me, Alan, and uh, thanks again, uh, is the, the last question is, are there two guys that you're that excited about in today's game? That if you if you saw them go up, you, you'd kind of have that. That's you'd feel kind of a similar build up leading up to the fight, and, and you'd be excited to come. Oh boy! Well, you know, listen. There's very. Here's the thing that the reason that fight we've had many many great fights, many exciting fights, and and in the last couple of years we've had thrilling fights in boxing. So, I mean, for instance, I did the Corrales Castillo fight. Now, that was. Hagler Hearns times three because it went nine and a half rounds. Every bit as good as Hagler Hearns. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was maybe the best lightweight fight of all time. There were only 5,000 people in Mandalay Bay Arena. Why? I don't know. That's, in my opinion, 
how they could not have gotten the word out better that that was going to be a great fight and that and and priced it properly to get more people in there is criminal but that's the way it goes but so having exciting fights you can have those it was the con you know the 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 just a a perfect storm of events it being such a big event the personalities and all the rest of it that made it you know so special and we've had you know exciting major fights uh you know in this era and there are there are people you know that can certainly make them. We're looking forward to all kinds of big fights. You know, we're still holding our breath for Spence Crawford, which we hope someday maybe will happen. Uh, you know, we're waiting on Usyk and uh, Fury, and uh, you know, I could name six, seven other really terrific fights. Would they elevate to where a Hagler Hearns is? Some might. For instance, Pacquiao Mayweather was certainly on that level. The fight didn't live up to this what we had hoped for a variety of reasons. Um, so there are fights that we can find that are that are major. Uh, you know that even though boxing is is not quite what it was at that point. Every every couple of years, there's a fight that comes along in boxing that transcends the sport. And and we get a lot of interest. You just don't ever know if you're going to. The problem is we've had a lot of great fights and then we've had some super big fights. The problem is getting. A great fight with a super big fight, right? We get a lot of great fights in pretty big fights and major events. But do we get them in the monstrous fights? Not all the time, sometimes, but not not always. Great point. Uh, this is my last question as well. This is like a, I'm, I think maybe you can answer this question better than anyone. Why is it that in the eighties the f- big fights were on weekdays, and nowadays all the big fights are on? The yeah, weekdays? that's boy. That's a very good question. You know, I I uh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I really don't actually. Uh, like I think Hagler Hearns was on a Monday or a Tuesday, or uh, it was on April fifteenth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah tax day. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, sometimes we get some of the, the fights in Japan are on Mondays or Tuesdays or whatever, um, like in a ways fights. But I, I don't know why we they don't do that anymore. Uh, I'm not sure what the what you know, what what's the scheduling motivation uh, for it. But um, I've always thought it would make some sense because you, you know, you might uh and maybe part of it is the weekend they feel like people are home and they're going to likely, you know, they're more willing to buy in. But then you run the risk of uh, of people having more conflicts on the weekend with they could have a wedding. They could have a, you know, whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of things that happen on the weekend. So I'm not sure what the motivation is, but it, it shifted. And even many of the fights I did for for most of my career when I did the top rank series, which was always on a, we switched days all the time, but it was always during the week. Uh, and then a lot of these pay-per-views were also during the week, but, uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, I don't know why it ended up where every single, uh, and of course by, if you had things during the week more often, you would avoid the conflicts where we have obviously many times since most major boxing matches are on Saturday, they're always clashing with each other. 
And I think that's the key point where boxing fans would like it to be more spread out. You know, we don't in other sports, uh, big games are often held on a Wednesday or a Thursday, you know. Uh, uh, and so it's not like you, you if you if there's four great college basketball games, even, let's say, or four great NBA games. You're not sure that all four of them are going to be on a Saturday night starting at a you know similar time, and unfortunately, that's the way it's gone in boxing in recent times. And and I think there's something to be said for the fact that it would be nice uh, avoiding those conflicts would obviously be good for the fan. Yeah, maybe in the future we'll go back to the old days. Uh, we can hope for we can hope for that. <laughs> Amazing, Al. All right, nice to visit with you guys. Thanks for spending some time. Thank with you us. so much, Al. Really Take care. Bye-bye.